Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. All right, let me say happy Mother's Day again. Uh, Lost in translation, today we are doing a word. And what we're doing, in case you're new, uh, is we're going through a series called Lost in Translation where we're talking about words that we find in Scripture that we may not be familiar with at all or we may think we know the meaning and we just sort of got it a little bit confused. Maybe, you know, things happen. You translate from language to language, especially when you go from like Greek to English. It's just totally different. And so we're digging into different words. And today the word that we are doing is church. Now, you might say, oh, how in the world could anybody get church confused? We all know what church is. We, we're in it. You know, we're doing all this stuff. We know what church is. They're almost on every corner in the United States, especially in the South. And so there's no way we'd ever get church confused. But it actually comes from a Greek word, ecclesia. And uh, it's an interesting word, you know. Uh, if you know Spanish, it, it's iglesia is really close to that word ecclesia, and you see that connection there. Um, but that's where the word comes from that we see translated church. And the word ecclesia is in the scripture over and over and over and over again. Therefore, church is in the Bible over and over again. And it literally has the idea of called out ones, called out ones. And so I thought today, being Mother's Day, this was the perfect message to preach because who can call you out better than mama? That's right, right? Mom will call you out in a heartbeat. I don't know if y'all experienced that ever, but you need to spend some time with my mom. She would call me out in a heartbeat probably because I was a bad child. I don't, I don't know. Thankfully, my kids didn't inherit that. Any badness they got, I kept it all. My wife gave them some of hers because she's so sweet. She's sweet. And uh, it's awesome my wife gets to be in here for Mother's Day. She's our movement kids director, and she doesn't always get to be out in the service, so it's nice for her to, yeah, I think that's worth clapping for, to be able to sit and sitting by one of our boys, and so that's awesome too. But I want to tell you really quickly about a time that my mom didn't call me out in public, but now she did that plenty of times, don't get me wrong. Um, But I want to tell you about a time that she called me out in a very unusual way. I was a pretty good student, especially elementary school and going into, like, just to give you an example, I was a good student. I did well. I worked hard. Sixth grade, I got straight A's the whole year through. And, you know, I mean, that's the year that it starts to get a little bit tougher. You know, middle school starts, all that sort of stuff. And I had some uh, advanced for elementary school classes and, man, did projects and all sorts of stuff. And, man, everything was great. Well, Fast forward a couple years later, and in high school, I want to say like my freshman year, I didn't do so hot in a particular class. And uh, it was mostly just, you know, laziness. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And I got, honestly, I believe it was the first uh, C on my report card that I'd ever gotten. And my mom had always, you know, they always patted me on the back, give me attaboys for getting good grades, you know, and, you know, like, kind of like, you know, humble brag like parents do about their kids. You know, we didn't have honor roll bumper stickers back then. But, you know, I, I do love this. I love the, you ever seen the one where it's like the little dinosaur is going to eat the honor student? Y'all, y'all don't see that. Anyway, I, the, the T-Rex or whatever. Yeah, that's the ones I would use. But anyway, we didn't have those kind of things. But she was always proud of me and always let me know, you know, good job, work hard, you're doing great, blah, 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 blah. But I never got any kind of reward. So that first report card I bring home in high school where my grades aren't good, she takes my report card. She doesn't like blow up like I thought she would. She takes my report card. She goes in her room and she's in there for a little bit. She comes out and she says, I've worked out a reward system for your grades. And I'm like, okay, all right, 
let's see how this goes. And she had come up with this system, a certain amount of money for an A, a certain amount of money for a B, um, a certain negative amount for a C, and a certain negative amount for D, and then, you know, F was way on down there, but taking away money. She had worked out a system for my first ever reward system for grades where I owed her money for the first stinking time. Yeah. Ecclesia, call you out, right? She called me out. I, I love my mom. I don't know if she's watching this morning, but uh, she is a great mom, and she taught me a lot, and she still teaches me a lot. But they will call you out in a heartbeat. And, but honestly, that was a, that's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek joke of why we're talking about church, Ecclesia, today. But honestly, a lot of us, if we are a part of a church today, there's a good chance, not everybody, but there's a good chance your mom has encouraged you to go, prayed for you to go, or maybe you want your mom to be here with you. And so that's why I thought it's a great thing to talk about today as we celebrate moms. But moms will call you out. But here's the thing. If we know this word, church, ecclesia, called out ones, it also has the idea of an assembly of the people. So when we come together, we are the church. Now, the beautiful thing is, is and we'll get into this a little bit, but when we go out, we're also the church. But when the church gathers, there's something powerful. There's something important. Church, though, is not the building. Can I say that again? Church is not the building. And that is probably the greatest misconception for most people. I grew up kind of experiencing that. I kind of believed that for a while. And I saw a lot of people who believe that. And people still believe that the church is the building. They'll say, and, and most people mean it harmlessly. Oh, you know, that church over there, that church over there. And, you know, there may not be anybody in it. And they're like, that's the church. But here's the problem. Like we just said a moment ago, the church is the people. The body of believers, the people that are washed in the blood of Jesus. And when we make the church the building, we rob from the beauty of what God has made us as the church. And what happens, and here's the big problem that I just want to get addressed right off the bat, is that when the church is the building, that means that we can act differently in the building than we do outside of the building. I've mentioned it before, maybe even recently, uh, that I was in youth ministry for, for quite a while and, and still try to dabble in youth ministry and have an influence on younger people too. But uh, I was a youth minister, and one of the things I would hear young people say all the time is like, you know, say we're going on a trip for the weekend, and this was back in the day, they probably had like a, a CD Walkman, you know, you know, this is probably, I don't even remember when it was, they started having the iPods and stuff like that when I was youth minister. I wasn't back in the horse and buggy days quite. But... Anyway, they would come and they'd bring their music and like they would be playing it maybe out loud or something like that. And then a song would come on and it's like, oh, no, 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 you got to cut that song off. We can't listen to that song because we're on a youth group trip. Or if it was at the church building, they would say, oh, we can't listen to that song because we're at church. And I would just kind of, you know, I'm a little sarcastic. Um, and I would just kind of quietly and nicely kind of funnily, you know, point out, be like, hey, if you can't listen to it, you know, at church, you probably shouldn't be listening to it away from church because we are the church. You know, if it's something so bad, and I, I know some things might seem appropriate in certain situations, some aren't. I get that. I'm not trying to be legalistic. But what I'm saying is, in a rule, if something makes you feel guilty around Christian people, maybe you should say, hmm, should I be listening to that at all? Should I be watching that at all? And so what develops when we call the building the church is that we think, okay, this is appropriate inside the church and this is appropriate outside the church. 
And, and it gets this whole idea of people talk about uh, dressing up. And we have people that dress up all different ways at our church. And that's fine. If you want to dress up, that's great. If you don't, that's great. The most important thing I say is wear clothes. That's, I, I would encourage you to do that. Wear clothes. But when we think we got to dress up when we come into a place because we're in the presence of God. We are in the presence of God all the time. We carry the presence of God in us. If you're a Christian, you've got the Holy Spirit. And so combining or, or, or focusing on a certain way to act, a certain way to be, a certain way to talk, when we're in a building, is we're missing the point. And so we want to make sure we understand this word church, ecclesia. The church is the called out ones, but what are we called out for? What are we called out for? The first thing is this. We're called out to shine. We're called out to shine. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 25, says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. We, as the church, are the bride of Christ. And we were purchased with a price. He laid down his life so that you and I could be the church. So don't give it to a building. And we don't even have, I guess we're not a legit church because we're in a school, right? You know, maybe that's the case. But don't give that title. Don't give that glory. Don't give that honor to a building. Because if any church building, then every church building burned down tomorrow, the church would still exist. Last when the pandemic started in 2020 for a while we met online only like a lot of churches did we didn't know you know it was two weeks flat in the curve we didn't know what was going to happen <laughs> um, but then we started meeting outside and we met behind an elementary school not this one but Nightdale Elementary School and we were there under beside the uh, baseball fields there's these big old I guess oak trees this massive canopy of shade and so through the entire summer we met outdoors there and I'm telling you that was some of the most beautiful times of worship that I've ever been a part of you know, we had the cicadas that were like singing along with us and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it was just a beautiful time. And I'm telling you, when we don't have buildings, the church still exists. So don't give the glory to a building what belongs to we, the church. And what he said is, is that we're the bride of Christ and that he gave himself up for us to be presented wholly to himself. Now, over the past few weeks, if you haven't been here, you can go back and listen online or, or watch our, our services online on Facebook. But we talked about holy and we talked about righteous and all the price that Jesus paid to make us holy, to make us righteous. And I want you to think about going back and listening if you haven't heard that or even listen again. Because a great price was paid for you and I to be presented to Jesus, holy and spotless and pure and blameless without stain or wrinkle to Jesus. And if I could just help you pause and slow down and listen to this really quick. That you and I can be spotless. That you and I can be without wrinkles. That you and I could be without blemish. Presented before Jesus. All of that work was done by him. You didn't have to come in here today and put on a mask. You didn't have to come in here today and dress a certain way. 
You didn't have to come in here today and act a certain way, to speak a certain way. The beauty of it is if you give your life to Jesus Christ, if you surrender to him and you're covered by his blood, then he, he makes you holy, spotless, blameless, and presents you. You shine with nothing that you do. And I know that some of us need to hear that because we are thinking, I got to earn this. I got to work for this. I got to earn this. I got to work for this. Do you remember the movie Saving Private Ryan? If you don't, that's okay. But there's a line at the end. They, the whole thing is they went to save one private Ryan. Imagine that. Private Ryan behind enemy lines uh, after D-Day. And they sent a whole unit of guys because there was a rule that you couldn't lose all of the, the children in one family due to war. And so his three brothers had already passed away, I believe. Two or three brothers had already passed away. And so they go and they, they lose lives and people are angry. They're mad. They're, they're upset. They're like, why is his one life worth more than ours? And the leader, played by Tom Hanks, kept saying, it's worth it. It's our job. This is what we do. He even questioned himself. But at the end, at the end, Tom Hanks looks at him and he says, earn this. And then at the end, the, the guy played by Matt Damon, who's Private Ryan, he asks his wife, he's like, am I a good man? Man, it breaks my heart to think that he carried that his whole life. And I understand there was a lot of life laid down for this guy in this story. But I love the fact that you and I don't have to sit there on the end of our life if we've given our life to Jesus, no matter how perfect or imperfect we think we are. If we've given our life to Jesus, we can look and stand before God and say, I didn't have to earn it. I didn't have to earn it because Jesus is enough. We shine without any effort from ourselves. Your brothers and sisters individually are the, the church collectively. And so here's what I want to say really quick before I move on. Be careful what you say about the church. Church bashing is an Olympic level sport nowadays. Bashing anybody and everybody is an Olympic level sport on social media. We love to bash people behind a screen because it's easy because you don't get punched in the mouth as much. You know? And we love to bash the church. Within the church and outside of the church, we get bashed. So be careful what you say about the church. Yes, the church is made of imperfect people. And churches sometimes do really horrible things and claim to be following God. But be careful what you say about the church because Jesus died for the church. And so I would encourage you and challenge you to especially be careful what you say about your brothers and sisters individually as we make up the church because we want to build one another up because we are the church. But here's a question we want to ask before we completely move on from this. We shine without any help from ourselves. But the scripture does teach us that we can control how brightly we shine after Jesus makes us all shiny. He says in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, through the Apostle Paul, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, God's doing a work in each and every one of us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You can't do anything, you can't do any work to save yourself, but once you're saved, he wants you to work. Because that shows how brightly you shine so other people see. It goes on in verse 14. Everybody listen to this. Everybody listen. This is really important. If you ignore everything else. If you ignore everything else today, don't ignore this. You listening? Peanut butter cups. I was just seeing if you're listening. Verse 14. 
do all things without grumbling or disputing. English Standard Version is what I'm reading out of. Uh, a lot of other translations say complaining. Do all things without grumbling or complaining. Do, do we need to hear that? As the church, as people, as human beings, we need to hear do everything without grumbling or complaining. I'm telling you, one of the greatest cancers in our world is grumbling and complaining, pointing fingers instead of fixing problems. Pointing fingers at other people rather than humbling yourself and laying down your life so that other people might know Jesus. And Paul tells through the Holy Spirit, he says, do everything without grumbling or complaining. And some people believe they have a Ph.D. in, in grumbling and complaining. That's my spiritual gift to annoy the crap out of people. Excuse me, I shouldn't have said that. I'm telling you, we've got to get this through our heads. How many of you have ever seen a church that is toxic? Because it's ruled by complainers. This is a sin. It's a sin. You know how I know it's a sin? The Bible tells us in the New Testament multiple times in different ways. But in the Old Testament, when the people were wandering around in the desert for 40 years while they were waiting to go into the promised land, do you know that when people started complaining that God opened up the earth and swallowed them whole? Holy moly. There would be at least one less preacher on stage next week if God decided to do that this week. Because I complain. I complain about life. I complain about stuff. I mean, I'd be sitting there. I can't stand. <laughs> Y'all be like, where's Bobby? Two or three days later, Sherry would be like, I wonder where he's at. I ain't going to look too hard. But anyway. But do everything without grumbling or complaining. Keep on reading with me. Verse 15. Here's why. Here's why it's so important. All right? I'm not just fussing at you. I'm, not just fuss I'm fussing at myself too, but I'm not just fussing at you. That you may be blameless and innocent. We've been told in Scripture that we're made blameless and innocent by Jesus, but once we become a Christian, we need to continue to let that light shine that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. What is he saying there? He's saying, don't grumble and complain because this will dim your light in a dark world. This world is full of complainers. Don't be one too. If you're marked by Jesus Christ, don't be a complainer. Don't be a grumbler. And I'm telling you, it is something you have to work hard to get out of your life. But when we grumble and complain, we do not shine and people don't see a difference between us and themselves. And they will never want to know a Jesus if it doesn't change our lives. So we've got to make sure that we do it. He says, verse 16, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. He's saying the way that you shine like a light is to not grumble and complain and to hold on fast. And some translations say hold out the word of life. Either way works. Hold on or hold out. You hold on, you hold out the word of life, and you will shine like stars in the universe. You know how much more time most of us would have in our day if we just didn't grumble and complain and we praise God for it instead? God's been working on me this past couple weeks. We've been going through a Bible reading plan together, some of us, and uh, I've been challenging myself to be grateful. If you just stop and be grateful every day, that'll take away some of your complaining time. Because a lot of our downtime is spent on complaining. What do most of us do? We get on Facebook, and we say, man, those dumb people. <laughs> oh, I'm the only one that says that? I'm Jesse Judges. Whatever. 
But we do. We, we spend our time doing stuff like that, and we start complaining about what we see. This world's going to hell in a handbasket. Da, 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 da. And it doesn't matter what you believe, what kind of ideologies you believe. You find somebody to be mad at on social media. Instead, let's stop and be grateful for what we have. And let's praise God for it. We were also called out to stand up. Called out to stand up for the truth. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. It says, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. The church is a pillar and a buttress of the truth. That's a great responsibility. That's a great responsibility. But you and I, as it said there in the previous passage in Philippians, as we hold on or hold out the word of life, we need to cling to the word of God if we are going to be followers of Jesus. And we need to hold on to it with everything we have because we are supposed to be a pillar and a buttress of the truth. A lot of us think that, you know, the truth is what holds us up. And yes, it does. But it says right there in the scripture that we hold the truth up. That the church is a pillar and a buttress of the truth. And, and for most of us in our, I'm not an architecture, but I, these, these posts right here would be similar to a buttress almost. That are going across the middle of this room. And we're supposed to hold up the truth of God's word. And we need to do all we can. We cannot do it if we don't know it. So the first thing we've got to do to make sure that we're a pillar and a buttress of the truth is to love the truth. I, I just shared a, maybe it have been last week. I talk a lot, if y'all didn't notice. So it's hard for me to remember what I say week to week. I know y'all remember everything. Y'all got it cataloged, footnoted. I mean, y'all got it down. But... We won't love the Word of God automatically when we first start reading it. If you're saying, okay, I'm going to get on a Bible plan and it's going to just change my day and every day is going to be sunshine and roses. I'm walking on sunshine. Yeah. Man, y'all are tough. I, I, I put myself out there. I put myself out there. I'm the dude at the end of that movie holding up the boombox. I'm putting myself out there and y'all just sell me out. <laughs> Two of you do that. I'm not angry. I'm just, I'm just being honest. <laughs> but you've got to dig into the word of God. And it takes habits because you and I have habits that are so ingrained on us that fight against the word of God. And so the first day, the second day, maybe even the tenth day that you make sure I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to listen to God's word today. It's going to be a war. It's going to be a struggle. But if you keep up reading God's word and being in God's word every day, you will learn to love the truth. Because when you let it in you, deep down in you, it will change you from the inside out through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we also live the truth. There's nothing more deadly than a Christian who claims to love the truth but doesn't live the truth. And we are walking around hurting people if we don't do our best to live it out. But hey, let me pause right quick before we get into church bashing. Is there anybody in here that's perfect? <laughs> Nobody, right? We will mess up. And one of the greatest ways that you can live the truth of the word of God is learn to repent with the grace that God gives you. When you make mistakes, you just own up. We don't claim, I don't claim to be perfect. I, I am far from perfect. My wife just passed out. She didn't believe it. <laughs> but we all make mistakes and we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And it's how we respond to that. Is it lives out the truth. We're not asking or nobody's asking you to be perfect. But how do you respond when you fall? Also, you share the truth. 
You hold on to the word. You hold out the word. You share the truth of God's word. You need to live it, share it with brothers and sisters, with people who are outside of Christ. You hold out the truth. We're called out to hold up the truth. We're called out to stand out as well. Called out to stand out. Ephesians 3 verse 10 says this. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. You and I make known to things and people and beings in the heavenly realms that God is who he says he is. That the truth of the gospel is true by the way that we live our lives just by being there. But the biggest truth I believe that he's referring to in this is that the church is for everyone. The church is for everyone. And I want the church to look like it's described in the book of Revelation where there's people from every nation, tribe, and tongue that come together. And so what he's saying is the church is for Jews, the church is for Gentiles, the church is for everybody. And this was a mystery. This was a shock. And here's, a, in case you don't know those, those terms that much, you're probably familiar with Jews or Jewish. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. The church is for everybody. And so that is our goal, is to stand out, to know, let people know that we are different because of Jesus. So here's the question. How do we show that? We could talk about it all we want, but how do we show that? I believe it's by our faith and our love. It's by our faith and our love. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 with me, a little further on after verse 10, verse 14. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. He's writing to the church here, guys. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. That's the church. All Christians. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now stick with me, just a couple more verses. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, that is the most redundant statement in the world, far more abundantly, what he's saying is more than you could ever dream or imagine for his glory, for his will, for his kingdom, God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within. Listen to this. Many times we pray and we say, Lord, help my friend know Jesus. Help this happen. Help this happen. All right, God, I'm good. I did my part. You do your part. But I would say, now this isn't, I haven't done any statistical research on this, but I'm going to throw out a number. I would say 95 to 99% of the prayers that we pray oftentimes get answered in some way through us by the power of God. The power that is at work within us through the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. And so if you want your friend to know Jesus, the answer to the prayer that God may say is, you go tell your friend, I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to give you words. You know, what we need to understand is that God's going to answer our prayers. He is a powerful, almighty God, and he can do the miracles without us. He can never touch a human being and, and change everything, but oftentimes he will use us. And so we need to stand out through our faith and through our love. 
it says in verse 21, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So when we will stand out, when we move in faith that moves mountains, sometimes if we want to see miracles happen, like we want to walk on water, guess what we got to do first? We got to get out of the boat. And we got to step out and do things that scare us to pieces, that make our knees shake and tremble. Can I, can I brag on somebody for just a second? Matt did communion. This is the second time he's done it. And the first time, it took him a long time. He said, nah, not right now, maybe later, maybe later. And he did it. He did a great job. And he told me, I hope you don't mind me calling you out. This is call out Sunday because mama's, right? But he said that the whole time, like, his legs and hands were shaking. I didn't notice it. I, he hit it well. But that first time he did it, he said his knees were shaking. And, man, I'm so proud of him. This time I texted him a few weeks ago, and I said, hey, you willing to do a communion? He said, bring it on. No hesitation. That's right. He just stepped out in faith. It terrified him. But he's like, I got to get out of the boat sometime, and now's as good as time as any. And we need to do that if God is going to show up in our lives and people are going to see his power through us and in us. So let me ask you this. Besides that faith-moving mountain faith that you, you need to express in, in having God, we also have to love in radical, world-changing ways. We've got to love in sacrificial, insane-looking ways to people if we're going to stand out. So when was the last time that you moved in real faith? Think about that for a second. Not you and your friends, but you. When was the last time that you moved in real faith? When was the last time that you personally loved in a radical way? Something that took time and money and energy and shame and, and all the different things that could come into play. When was the last time that you loved in a real radical way? The truth is, is that we want to love and, sh and have faith and stand out, but that won't happen solely in here. You see, it's easy for us to think that I'm going to love Jesus and I'm going to be radical in my faith in here when we gather together. But as we've already said, the church isn't the building, is it? The church isn't the building. And it's not simply the gathering only, but it's part of it. We don't just gather, we go. We go and be the church and we love and we serve and we move. That's what God is calling us to do. But let me say this. Before we get down on this and say, well, the preacher said we don't have to come to church next Sunday. <laughs> but it won't happen without what happens in here either. We won't stand out in radical ways with our love and our faith by simply what happens in here, but it won't happen without what happens in here too. Because we get inspired, we get encouraged, we get refueled, we get in, fired up, and we get to be with one another and, and strengthen one another we need to be together to thrive. And the church has to gather to be prepared to go. And we're all called to go. So we have to love each other well before we can ever love people who don't know what love is. I said something there, and I don't know if you heard it. We have to love each other well before we'll ever be prepared to love, love people who don't know what love is. Because when we leave this place, a lot of people don't know what love is. 
and they will be upset and they will be scared and they'll be offended and they won't even go looking for it. They'll think you're crazy. We need to love each other well and practice loving each other sacrificially with faith-filled moves so that when we go out, we can do it better and stand up against the, the, the walls that are put up and the anger that comes at us because we need to love people well. The times we gather here and throughout the week are vital to our standing out. I'm so thankful that we have the ability. We've got people who are watching online, and, and we want them to be with us as soon as they can. Some of them are like hundreds of miles away, but, you know, we know that. Come on, we want you to come too. But we need to gather as much as we can, and there's as much as I'm thankful for the tool of, you know, live streaming. There's just something about being together in person too. And we need to do all we can to be there as much as we can. So the church has to love and serve in radical ways. We need to stand up and stand out. You know, I, I hear frequently, very frequently actually, from people that love our church or have just chosen our church to be their church home, their church family. And a lot of times what they say is, it's because of the way that we love our community. That's encouraging to me. Because a lot of these more recent people who have either fallen in love with our church or just found our church and chose it for that reason, they've been sort of watching us over the past two years, which have been nuts, though, right? <laughs> I mean, our, our efforts have been limited because of the pandemic. There's only so much you can do, but we've still tried to be faithful in loving our community and serving our community. And it, breaks, it brings joy to my heart that people still see it, that we love our community. So it's exciting that we're accomplishing our goal. But let me ask you this. Do you go to a church that serves the community or are you a part of a church that serves the community? I know that's probably not polite to ask that, <laughs> but there's a difference. Do you go to a church that serves the community or are you a part of a church that serves the community? Do you get your hands dirty? Do you take your time and your effort and your energy and pour it into what we do? I know you're not going to be able to do it every time. I'm not there every time. We don't all have to do everything all the time. Don't, everybody hear that? But we do need to put some hand to the plow and, and do some work to help the church spread the word of God and the love of Jesus to people who need it. If the church is going to stand out, the entire church has got to stand out. So let's love and serve sacrificially. But we're also called, called out to stand forever. Matthew 16, verse 18 says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I, I leave this for last because it's so important for us to understand is that Jesus is telling the, the disciples when they gather there, he says, and I'll give you a quick little lesson here if you haven't ever heard this. A lot of people say, well, this is making Peter the first pope, but that's, that's not found in Scripture. But what he says is that you are Petros. You are a tiny little stone. That's what his name meant. A tiny little stone. You're a pebble, Peter. But on this Petra, this massive boulder, this truth that you have said that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. He said on that truth, on that boulder, on that mountain, I'm going to build my church. And Peter had the great gift, even though he denied Jesus, he was reinstated. He had the great gift to be the main spokesperson uh, spokesperson when he stood up and proclaimed the gospel for the very first time on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people were baptized into Christ that very day for the forgiveness of their sins and received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the church exploded with growth on the truth 
that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and that he defeats death. He said, not even the gates of Hades. And a lot of times we think of, of hell. But what Jesus was more literally saying is that Hades was the place, the abode of the dead. And he said, death means nothing when I step on the scene. When I bust out of that tomb in a, in a short while, when I bust out of that tomb, death will have no victory. Death will have no sting, not just for me, but for you and for the world who knows me as Lord and Savior. That's right. The church will not be held back by death. There will be no more tears around gravestones when we get to be with Jesus forever face to face. There will be no more pain. There will be no more heartache. There will be no more sorrow because Jesus has overcome. He has overcome so we can stand forever. So much of this life is temporary, unstable, and fleeting. If you want something that's going to last then be a part of the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. If you want something that's not going to let you down, now, yes, 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 if you're a part of a church, you're going to be let down. There are thousands of stories of people who have been hurt in church. Don't hear me on Don't misunderstand me on that. I'm not saying that. But the church that Jesus died for will never, ever crumble. It will never, ever fade. It will never, ever falter. If you cling to Jesus, you will have a place even when all else fades away and everything burns up and everything is dissolved. But we'll achieve only when we cling to Jesus and his church. But here's the thing. You know the greatest obstacle to be called out ones to looking like this? All these things we talked about. You know the greatest obstacle to that? Together as a church, and, and we rub against each other, and we work together, and we love one another, we serve one another. 
Jesus loves them and calls them out of darkness into light. sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.